I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I can have what it says I can have. Today, I will be taught the indestructible, incorruptible word of God. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, you're so good. And I just thank you, Lord, that your word declares that it is God's will, that it is your will that we don't divorce. That, Lord, your heart for marriages is that we are in one accord, that we come to a place of unity and peace and strength so we can display you to the world, display you to the nations. So I pray, Lord, that this word that I have today will bring some kind of revelation and some kind of inspiration into marriages, that they will have the courage to continue, Lord, and the faith to overcome. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. You may be seated. All right. So if you would, turn with me to Proverbs, 34, Proverbs 24, Proverbs 24, verse 30. Proverbs 24, verse 30. And I'm going to read it out of the New King James. And this is what it says. I went by the field of the lazy man and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. And there it was, all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone wall was broken down. When I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. So shall your poverty come like the prowler and your need like an armed man. Yeah. I know this is not normally used as a marriage scripture or a relationship scripture. But this is what God gave me for us today. And we're just going to start real straight. We're just going to come straight. We're going to come ready. We're just going to get it. Because you know what? Sometimes if we pacify it, we don't make any change. But I want to come and let you know that sometimes it's not that we lack love. is we have a surplus of laziness. And so some of us may have a great relationship today and want to take it further. Some of us have a relationship and we're holding on by threads like we're just saying hold me back hold me back hold me back but whatever stage your relationship is in i can almost guarantee you that on that day that you got married you are grinning oh my god i can't wait to marry him oh my god oh that's my girl that's my girl i can't do without her can't do without her so how do we get from I do's to, I'm not going to do that. You're asking too much of me. I won't. You, you, you better ask somebody else. Where, where did we come from? Oh, I can't get enough time to spend with you too. Oh, I need to get out of the house, man. Y'all, there was a basketball game. Where's the basketball game? Somebody invite me to a Cowboys game or, or a Redskins game. When did we get to that place where there's that hump in the middle of the bed? 
that when you lay down, it just fits into your body curves. And you can't really meet in the middle because it, there's a hump. I know some of y'all have a hump in the bed. I can tell. <laughs> we started at tens. I know some of us are at eights, fives, negative 25. <laughs> but either way, we have declined some. In one area or another, we have declined some. And like I said, we are not declining, I believe, because we lack love. I believe it's because we have too much laziness. And what is laziness? Laziness is just indifference, neglect, not paying attention to. You know, hmm, that's like, ouch, boom, shazam. You know, but let me put it like this to you. My husband and I have been married almost 20 years. Insert clap, insert clap. My hu- <laughs> like, where are you going with that? <laughs> we've been married 20 years, and we've lived in four houses, four houses within the 20 years. The first house we lived in was in Grand Prairie off of Sussex Avenue, right? And when every house that we've gotten, the lawn always had some kind of patches of weeds, some spots that were dry, some places that may be overrun because my husband always gets houses on a deal. Always. Ridiculous deals. So it's, it doesn't come all the way in its full potential, you know. It may have like pink and purple stripes inside there with a floral pattern curtain or something. But, you know, he pays attention to the lawn and it can be growing outside and those kind of things. And, and we inherit this, this field. And I want us to look at our marriages as a field or as a vineyard. And so, you know, he has a dream though. That he still has today, 20 years later. He must have the greenest lawn in the neighborhood. I've never seen anything like this. Because see, where I grew up, I grew up in a townhouse. There was no lawn. So I don't understand the obsession with it. But when we first started out, you know, he looked at it, he assessed it. And based on the dream and the assessment, determined what he needed to bridge the gap between the dream and the assessment. And so he would walk it and he studies it and he looks at it. And he decides, okay, I need a lawnmower. I need a weed eater. I need some weed and feed. And, you know, I, I need a, a shovel. I need, a, you know, gloves. Based on where he's trying to go determines on what he's going to need. But then you know what he does? He walks the lawn every day. It's been 20 years. Winter, spring, summer, fall. He walks the lawn every day. And he looks at it. And he speaks to it. Yes, he prophesies to the lawn. I know it seems weird, but he believes in the power of confession. And to this day, he declares over the lawn, you have the greenest grass because I declare prosperity on you. This is a house of prosperity. Everything must prosper around me. He speaks to the lawn. Just last week, he was, he was fertilizing the lawn. He takes care of it. And so what we find is, as he was putting a priority on that, as he was being diligent over that, 
Then other people started to notice. And they'd say, man, who do you use for your lawn? He'd go, me. How do you get it so green? And he'd tell them. And then we'd look about three months later, the lawn wasn't any different. And you realize that many people are willing to ask, but unwilling to work. They're willing to look at it, but they're not willing to do what it takes to get there. They're willing to imagine it, but they're not willing to do the steps necessary to fulfill their imagination. Well, not only was it evidence to the neighbors, not only was it obvious to everybody else that, boy, this person takes care of their field. They take care of their lawn. He know when there's a patch of dry, I'm telling you, you just have to see it in person. When there's a piece that is dry, he goes over there and he's studying it and he's trying to figure out oh, what is wrong. Talk to me. Talk to me. What's going on with you? You know, everybody else is green. You're not green. What's going on? But then also heaven noticed it. So I have a picture to show you here. And she was about two, and you see she has on her own big oversized goggles, and she's by the lawnmower, and we had to buy her own lawnmower because he took such care that she felt that this was a priority. She had to duplicate that desire in her life. What am I saying? The way that you care for your field lets your children know the value you place on your marriage. And they in kind will want to duplicate that, or run away from it. All right. All right. So, here we are. The scripture puts us in the same principle. The field is our marriage. It is full of the same potential you had five years ago, 25 years ago, 45 years ago, two months ago. The same field has the same amount of potential now as it did then. There's nothing wrong with the field. Here's the thing. You know, I only have two points for you. Weed and feed. Weed and feed. Say weed and feed. Very good, very good, very good. The, person, <laughs> the potential is present, but the pursuit is passive. And we need to move from passive to passionate. You with me? The potential is present, but the pursuit needs to move from passive to passionate. So I decided that I was going to go and do some very deep research last night. And I had to go to the most trusted source, Google, and learn all about weeds. So now I feel I have my degree on the internet and I spend some time studying. So weeds are not really good for you. Not on your harvest. So I found out that weeds, the reason we want to get rid of weeds, because I never really understood, because I thought when I came to America, you know, I just thought, wow, they're so pretty. <laughs> I thought, you know, some of the weeds bloom, right? So I'm thinking, oh, these are so cute. He's like, that's a weed. That's a weed. Why is it a weed? Why can't it just be a big stalk among all these other things? Why is it a weed? And so I realized that the reason we remove weeds is because weeds compete for the same sunlight, the nourishment, and the space. Weeds are also very stubborn. And they have a latent seed 
that can live for years and years and years and years. They just lie dormant waiting for the right circumstances to allow it to bloom up. Weeds also poison healthy plants. Weeds also shelter bugs and diseases and things like that. So whenever they grow up, they infect the plants or allow the pests to infect the plants. So weeds have to go. They contaminate the crops. They host the crops. I'm not talking about your mother-in-law. You're thinking that's the weed. Maybe. Maybe it's that single friend that you have while you're trying to be married. Let me just establish that. When you become married, your single friends now become acquaintances. I know they've been your boy from way back in the way. But if they don't celebrate your marriage, if they're not pushing you towards marriage, if they're not encouraging you to stay married, they need to move from the friend zone to the acquaintance zone. You've got to get into a cell group or a group that has married people who want to stay married. Married people who are saying, hey, we love our marriage so much, we're going into a cell group. Married people who are saying, yeah, you know what, we're struggling with this, but if you come along with us, boy, we could just hang out together as a married group. So weeds, weeds, weeds. Weeds are those small things that when they're ignored, they become very significant ones. They start out sometimes looking like grass. They start out looking like, like it's okay, you know, we won't bother it. But when you leave it unattended, it grows up and chokes out the very life. Weeds like resentment. I resent the fact that you, you make more money than me. I resent the fact that you're, you're using your headship as a, as a tool to just dominate me. I resent the fact that you talk to your mom more than you talk to me. I resent the fact that, you know, I gave up my dream for you. I resent the fact that you got me pregnant again. Resentment. The weed of unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. You know... Whatever you feel, well, I left my daddy's house. I didn't come to here over here for you to do me this way. Unforgiveness from your last 10 relationships. And now the current person is paying for something they never even did. You know, I mean, this was so prevalent for me. I, I, I um, are relevant to me because I remember when I was growing up, my parents used to fist fight, right? And so my mom, she was tough, boy. I mean, you were not going to fight her. She don't fight you back, right? So they had this big fight one time. And it was such a huge mess. And I re- that was so seared in my memory because of the, the, the type of the fight it was. So later on, when I was just um, Eben's friend, I wasn't even dating him. I was just his friend. And we were watching I Love Lucy. And we were watching I Love Lucy. And let's just start with the problem with that. A married couple sleeping in two twin beds. Oh, let's just go to your house. You sleeping in the guest room and he's sleeping in his room? Ah, no. Right? And so he, here we are watching I Love Lucy. And um, I was saying something to him in the middle of the I Love Lucy. And he takes a remote and goes like this to mute me. But why? <laughs> and so I'm sitting there and all I saw in my peripheral vision was... A hand. And my mind went back to my parents. 
instantaneously. And I went like this. Because I had made a vow, anybody ever hit me, I'm going to kill him. That was my vow, and it consistently begin, it continues to be a vow. <laughs> so back away. <laughs> Praise God, I don't have that kind of husband. Amen. But I'm saying, I went like this, out of just pure reaction. Just pure instinct, because I had not been healed from that memory. I had not forgiven my parents for leading an unhealthy example in that area. I had unforgiveness and didn't see it until the circumstances arose. So the weeds of unforgiveness, the weeds of comparison. Well, you see how, how um, you know, he treats his wife. Oh, you see how Pastor Eben always buys Pastor Sarah's shoes. Why you can't do that for me? Because every time he buy you something, you complain. Why are you going to buy you something else? I don't like that. Oh, it's not my color. Oh, you should have just given me the money. I had my own idea. So, so why? Why though? Why would he go and take that risk? Well, you, you ought to be cooking every day like Pastor Sar. Uh, child, I don't work 90 hours a week. Let me just free all the females from that. Okay. <laughs> I don't work the same amount of hours. I work in different seasons. My work is seasonal. <laughs> All right? It may not be as a priority for you. You should have talked about that on the front end, brother man. On the front end, I told Pastor Evan, I love to cook. It's a stress reliever for me. I hate to clean. So then I say to my sister-in-law who likes to clean and hates to cook, Hey, Sam, let's get together. I'll cook, you clean. Boom. That's why we've been together so long. It's what works for you. Don't compare it because when you compare, someone always loses. And it brings a weed into the relationship. Dissatisfaction is a weed. You didn't even know to be dissatisfied till you went around somebody else. You didn't even have an idea something was wrong. You're thinking everything is great. You know, I'm telling you, I, I mean, I used to really look like Holly Hobby. And I thought I was cute. Oh, yes. With all my flower patterns mixing with stripes and stuff. Oh, I was the bomb. And then, you know, I got around other people and they were matching colors and stuff. And I was looking at my Holly Hobby self and going, wow, there is another, another world out there. And I became dissatisfied with Holly Hobby. But it wasn't until there was exposure. And some of you are being exposed to the wrong thing. Some of you are watching the wrong rated movie. Some of you are listening to the wrong station. One oh, whatever. Because I know it's not 94.9. Clean, family-friendly radio. You over there with somebody 7 o'clock in the morning. Ooh, he got my jam on. Woo! Let me sweat it. Let me sweat it. You come home and you're like, I need you to sweat. What? Where'd you get that from? 
exposure. The wrong kind of exposure will give weeds into your life. See, I personally don't listen to secular music. I, Sarah Melinda Connor, don't listen to, you know why? Because my imagination is like Pip from Great Expectation. It knows no end. I don't need no extra colors. I don't need no extra help. I can do that all by myself. So I have to keep my eyes and my ears blocked off. I will have to walk out of a movie. If it starts too heavy, I got to go. But see, some of you all think you're stronger than you are. Some of you are misjudging how, how disciplined you are. And before you know it, little by little, didn't what it say? It said in there, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. And then, boy, that deficiency comes into your marriage. Then, boy, that marriage is broke. Because of the small things we allow to take away from our marriage. You got to set a higher standard, man. Got to set a higher standard. Amen? Amen. So, women are multipliers. And we act like we're frightened about the harvest that we have when we're the ones holding the bag of seed. When you give us a sperm... That thing multiplies inside of us, not you. We give you a baby, right? Okay, so you give us some resentment. Now you have a murder on your hands. Yeah. You give us some hostility, and we're plotting how to throw acid on your eyes. So I'm saying to you, <laughs> I'm just saying it for them. I'm just saying it for them because they can't say to you right now, you know, you, you know what the plan is. <laughs> Sometimes we get upset of the harvest we created. We complain about what we have created. Ica said, in the beginning, we came and said, I do with grinning cheek to cheek smiles. And now we're frustrated. But you know, some of that we have to take responsibility for. We can't just say, oh, she came like this. Oh, he came like that. No, it's our field. It's our field. Sleeping on the opposite sides is a weed. Discussing your spouse to family members and friends in a negative way. You know when y'all do this kind of stuff sometimes, I just don't even get this. Just, just change this phrase in the name of the Lord. Be like, oh, you know, you know my old woman, she's going to be mad. Why would you say something like that and you know we're not even going to be mad? You just want to say it to make it as an excuse. So you're just using us as an excuse to leave the game early. No, just say, man, I want to go home to my wife. I want to go home to my wife. But we say these guys, oh, boy, you know, I'm going to get in trouble. If I'm not, you know you're not going to get in no trouble. He doesn't even know where you are. <laughs> girl, I got to get out of Macy's, girl. I'm going to get in trouble. He didn't even know you in Macy's. He doesn't even know about that little account you got. <laughs> little things that make a big difference. That's a weed. All these secret accounts. I feel it. I feel it. Oh, my she money. It's just for me money. All right. All right. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you make the 20, 30, 45-year-old mark. Trying to help you. Comparing your spouse is a weed. Knowing more about your favorite sport team and less about your spouse is a weed. How you know the schedule, where are going to play, what the new logo look like, who is on the team, who is in the news, and you can't tell if your wife is crying next to you. 
How do you know what your boss needs at work and, you know, what time to get there and other things to make their day go right? And you don't even know that your husband just want to see you for a minute. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Talking down to your wife as if she's a child. Pointing your finger and raising your voice. Minimizing her efforts and being sarcastic is a weed. You know you always do that. What? Rolling your eyes. Rotating your neck like with a rhythm too. I'm going to need some more practice, you can tell. I, I scared to roll my neck. I just feel it would just drop right off. <laughs> Answering the phone as if you're annoyed. Like, what you want? Oh, it's my husband. What? That is your husband. The one I said, I do, I do, I do, boo. <laughs> and giving him a piece of your mind, that's a weed. Keep your mind. Please. <laughs> Not having sex. For weeks, are you out your mind? And some of y'all for months? Oh, just Jesus. That's not a weed. That's wickedness. That is wicked. Girl, I know you don't always feel like it. But look, you just make your mind up. The quicker you get it done, the quicker it's over. Everybody happy. It don't take more than 7, 11 minutes. Get going. You want phone calls and emails way longer than that. My God, today. Woo! I am really trying to help you. (laughs) What I neglect will eventually reflect. All right, so I want you to ask. Here's the thing. When it's time for you to read from your harvest, you're not putting seeds in there. You don't have nothing to read from. You've got to plant intentionally. You've got to plant deliberately. You can't be apathetic about it and just think somebody is. You can't get some other service to come take care of your family and take care of your marriage. No, that's for you to do. That's for you to do. So I want you to ask your spouse one question this week. Some of you may have to text it. Some of you may have to like sign language it or something. But this is a, this is a question I want you to ask them. Is there an area in which I make you feel small? Is there an area where I make you feel small? Songs of Solomon says, 2.15, the little foxes are ruining the vineyards. Or it's the little foxes that spoil the vines. Catch them, for the grapes are in full blossom. Catch them. Take responsibility for your field. Some of us came in with weeds. So husbands, I... I, Challenge you to become an expert in the art of husbandry. Go Google husbandry. And find out what it takes to cultivate your garden. To cultivate your weeds. And get them out. Get the weeds out. 
it takes work. You can't just do the mass airplane spray. Like, okay, you need to fix this, 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 and this. When you do all of that, it'll be great. So what are you going to do, though? What's your change? How about you write five on you and one for me? <laughs> Take responsibility for your field. I know it sounds like I'm on the main a little bit, but, you know, it's because I'm with a good guy. I really am with a good guy. And I know when I want to act up, and I have acted up, as you can tell. It is very obvious. <laughs> God bless him. You know, it's his consistency. It is his, his care and, and attentiveness to what's going on. If we're off, he'll, he's the one, because I don't like confrontation, and he lives on it. So I just want to like act like, like blink my eyes, turn around three times, and magic, it disappears. And he'll go, hey, sweet, we're not on the same page. Why do Why we have to talk about it? I don't want to talk about it. Just let's just get on it. You know, and he's the one more for detail. You know, we're not on the same page. I feel this. I feel that. Like, you have feelings? No, 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 no. Why are you getting older? You're getting feelings. You're getting feelings. <laughs> you know, but, but we have to get on the same page. We have to do that. And I know for a fact, I'm just speaking to you from a female perspective, from, from a biblical perspective as well. The husband is the head. I fully am in agreement with God and his principles. I do believe in the husband being the head. I do, and I've always believed in the husband being the head. It's never been a question for me. What I agree for is when someone has a head that goes nowhere. My head has vision. My head thinks about and he maintains the lawn. And he's looking and he's always assessing. And it's very difficult for us as females to submit to a head who is not submitted. It's very difficult for you to ask us to obey a biblical principle but you yourself disobey it. It's very hard for us to give you what you need when you won't give God what he's asking for. The Bible says that the men should live with the woman as unto understanding. Proverbs 24 tells us that, let me go and tell, look at this lazy guy, this guy who has no understanding. So it goes to reason that a man of understanding lives with his wife as understanding. Bible says that you must treat your wife with honor and cherish her so that your prayers will not be hindered. The Bible says in Proverbs that he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. So if you don't want your favor to mess up, you need to be diligent with your field. Finally, woman, woman, woman. Because I know the men are like, Pastor, you're just, on a, you're just on a man, you're just on a man. Let me tell you, when you as a man of God are doing what you're supposed to do as a man of God. Not just asserting your power and your authority as a man of God, but, but doing the inspirational works of a man of God. It is very difficult for us to rebel. It is very difficult for us to say no. It is very difficult because we can see your track record. We can see how much you value us. So there's nothing that we won't do for you. Remember, we multiply it. You honor us, we triple honor you. You bless us, we triple bless you. Because it's only natural for us to multiply what you give us. So change the seeds. Two things real quick. Two things to get rid of these needs. 
We're going to feed. We're going to feed. What I pay attention to will produce. Good or bad. But in this case, what I pay attention to will be good. Amen. Two things. John 2. Jesus was invited to a wedding. Remember? So invite Jesus to be involved in the important and not just the urgent. Get Jesus involved in the important. That means our attitudes, our responses, the way we look at things, our perspective. Before we react, before we respond, filter it through Jesus. Filter it through what he would do and how he would handle that situation. And say, the seeds I'm about to sow, do I want the harvest it's going to reap? When you're in the middle of an argument or tension, think about it. What harvest is this going to give me? Do I want to continue with these seeds? Or do I want to uproot that weed and go, you know what, sweet? And this is what my husband and I do. We go, you know what? We're getting to the place where we're getting rude. We're getting to the place where we're going to cross over from being honorable to disrespectful. This is how we dig up the weeds. So, you know, let's, let's, just, let's just pause for a second. Let's just pause for a second because, no, once you get that weed in there, remember, it's harder to root up. So you got to catch yourself. You, gotta go, you know, babe, I'm sorry, my attitude. Well, I didn't even see attitude, but I know my attitude. See, I know me. So let me just apologize so no weeds grow in my own heart that you will end up reaping in your life. Amen? The next thing is this. Do good. Do good. Do good. Galatians 6, 7 through 10 talks about the fruits of the Spirit. And it says that you must do good, especially to those of the household of faith. Your wife, your husband is part of the household of faith. Do good, especially to them. Talk well about them. Use your words as agents of faith to go into the atmosphere and reap back a harvest. God's word will not fail. You call that man who he is. You call him how he should be. You call yourself. I am a wise woman. I know my husband can come home and he safely trusts me and he enjoys coming home because I'm not a contentious woman. I thank you, Lord, that I am of a meek and quiet spirit. Lord, I thank you, God, that I am a support and I build and I don't tear down. That I, you, this is what you want to call into yourself. This is what you want to call into your husband. So do good. What's, what's good? Finding out what your field needs, and going to whatever lengths to get it done. Sometimes we have no idea why it needs what it needs, but it just needs it, so just give it. For example, let me give you some practical things. You can start today. It's so good. Sunday's a good day to start everything righteous, right? Yeah, righteous Sunday, sanctified Sunday. Open the car door. How about you try that? Men of God, today, I want you to try to open the car door. Woman, just sit in the car. Don't move. Sit. Sit there when you're like, sweet, where you go? Um, we got a pastoral instruction. Hello. Right? Take out the trash. Call and say, I'm just checking on you. Send a text. What you doing? Just thinking of you. Move one inch closer to the hump. By the end of the week, you may just be halfway between the corners of the bed, right? Be excited about an idea. Don't just like kill the idea when he first says it. Da, la, la. He come and say, boy, I want to do this. I want to do that. And you be like, where are we going to get the money from? How are you going to find money for that? But you can find money for this. Ah, stop, stop in the name of love. 
Say, babe, that is incredible. That's awesome. Then come back the next day and say, hey, how are we planning to do that? Whatever I can do to help, how can you do it? Let him start thinking. Let him start answering questions. Today, we're going to have to have a one-on-one, ladies. We're going to have to be, show you how to be, be smart on this stuff here. Right? Consider the harvest. Consider their feelings. Include your spouse on the plan. You're making all these plans and he has no idea. And then he's part of the plan. I know this one gets on my husband's, you know, because I can plan in a minute. And he's like, sweet, I didn't even know I was supposed to be driving them here. Oh, you didn't? Mm. Sorry. <laughs> Frustration. That's a weed possibility, right? So I have to kind of be more conscious of that. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, you are going to drop it and have some sex. Okay. So. I don't care how y'all do it. <laughs> do it the lights off, lights on, mirrors. Well, I don't care how you want to do it. But you have to have sex. Okay, in Jamaica, we used to have the song go, Sex, time to have sex. You remember that song, Pastor? <laughs> Evil. <laughs> All right, so we're closing. No matter what your feel looks like, some of you have some broken... Sprinkle heads. I don't know what you, what are y'all thinking? <laughs> Babe, when you listen to this CD, I just want to tell you, these are your children and the sheep are your pasture. <laughs> some of you have some weeds, some dry patches over the course of your life. Your marriage, you've had some dry patches. Okay. No. Let us do what it takes. See y'all, Kevin, be serious no more. Every day, just like how it takes small inconsiderations to create a dry field, it takes small, consistent considerations to make it better again. It is possible. Just find one thing that you're going to do consistently this week. I gave you a lot of suggestions. So just if you say, I'm going to put it on my phone Text at 3 o'clock every day as a reminder. Text my wife. I love her. Text my husband. Thanks for working so hard. If you just put it on your thing and just remind yourself, just even that, you would be amazed at how much those little things, you should sweat the small stuff. Amen? Amen. Find out how you're going to make your spouse feel big. So your theme this week is big. How can I make you feel big? Big. And watch that field little by little begin to grow and it's going to yield a harvest for you. And the rest of your marriage will be the best of your marriage. Amen? Amen. Amen. If you would, thank you. If you would, bow your heads real quickly. The best marriage that there ever could ever, ever, ever be is the one between Jesus Christ and yourself. That's a partnership that is unrelenting. That's a partnership that just goes beyond whatever. He will just pursue in such a way. If you are here today and you have never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life, I want to invite you to do that because your marriage cannot go to the next level unless you have the Lord of love in your life. He's the one that will...